you. Everybody, welcome back to Off the Bench. I'm Brandon Carney alongside Pat Gustafson. And for those of you watching or for those of you listening, you might notice as well, our boy Pat has a brand new microphone. He got the same one as me, you little fucking copycat. Dude, I was so fucking... Like, this this microphone is, like, not a piece of shit microphone. Like, when I I bought this for music recording, but it said it's a podcast microphone. But I was so fucking tired of sounding like shit, even with a nice (laughs) microphone. So I said, fuck it. If I'm going to sound like shit... I'm at least going to have the same thing as you, so it's not my fault. So if I sound worse than you, it's your fault now. Right. No, that's totally fair. Look, my mic, and I think our viewers and listeners can attest, my mic sounds great, show in and show out, and yours sounds pretty great right now, so I think we should be good. Uh, Look, And we look even better. We, I mean, we're sexy as fuck. This is just the bearded sexy podcast. I don't know why I haven't renamed it yet. But look, your boy is coming off of quite an eventful weekend. I shipped up to to your and my, you know, home neck of the woods for the weekend in Connecticut. Got to actually got to meet Gary V on Friday, which was wild. A very good dude, guy I've looked up to in the content space for a long time. So made a connection there. Got to hit up UConn hockey, UConn basketball for the little comeback game after uh, the Creighton massacre that happened earlier in the week week uh that was very upsetting now, um were you there for game day can only students get into game day so i was not there for game day they opened it up to the public i believe after like they try to fill it with as many students as they can and then i think they opened it up to the public uh but no i was not there the game the game was at 8 p.m and game day was at 10 a.m and for those well i guess this is for this depends where you live but i mean most people don't live if you're just a fan, like in the town that UConn is in, because the town that UConn nobody in does, stores, yeah, the town that UConn's in of stores, Connecticut, is just UConn basically. If you live nearby, it's like a very small handful of people that do. So most people live at least 30 minutes away. I live about an hour away, or my mom lives an hour away. That's where we were staying. So it would not have made a lot of sense to uh, stay for eight hours, and it also wouldn't have been a lot of fun to drive back, drive there, and drive back. So no, I was not there for UConn hosting college game day. I was there for the game though. Game was a lot of fun. They retired Rip Hamilton. Hamilton's number so that was a good time and then uh yeah flew back on Sunday and we are here now and Pat honestly putting together the sheet for this show was uh I I was I was struggling at first a little bit because I was like you know as much as that yes the franchise tag window is open and you know the combine is starting there just wasn't a whole lot to go off of and then basically quotes and, and clips just kind of started flooding in throughout the day because all these GMs and head coaches who are attending the combine, you know, made themselves available to the media and said a good chunk of interesting things throughout the day. So we, we've got some material here. Yeah, these guys are just straight up professional yappers at this point during they the combine. Like, like we're we're going to talk about a lot of shit that coaches and executives have said in the last few days. And I guess, I guess maybe we'll play the game of like. Is like how much bullshit is this? Does like, is this, does this have any kind of value or no? But we'll get we'll get there. Yeah, definitely. But yes, the combine is here, um, and that there's a lot of implications that come with the combine. Now, one of them being that these coaches and GMs are yapping up a storm in their media availabilities. Another one being the obvious one of you know how are these players going to perform in these drills, and how is that going to help or hurt their draft stock? Who is even not participating? We'll talk about that as well, and then. The big thing, honestly, Pat, and we'll talk about this too, is uh, this is the time where teams are talking with each other. And this is the time that things like, you know, last year's Bears-Panthers trade for the number one overall pick 
sort of started developing. Now, that trade didn't end up going through until a few weeks later on March 10th, but this is where those conversations are taking place. So, you know, will we see Justin Fields getting traded here over the next few days? Will we see Russell Wilson's future be determined here over the next few days? Even if we don't, there's a good chance that the seeds for those things are being planted right now and over the next couple of days here at the NFL Combine. But, Pat, before we get into all things football... How about those Fanatics baseball pants that are just showcasing cock and balls, huh? How are we, how we feeling yeah, about that? You know, <laughs> I, I, I was going to say I was going to save my thoughts on that for the literal last few seconds of the podcast. But, like, what the hell were they thinking? Like, I love the memes where it's like, we need to get fandom. I've got it. Let's show them all the players' cocks and balls. It's like... <laughs> I don't know how they can mess up such and they a simple ter- thing. In the... And the shirts look terrible too. Yeah. Like the long names look like like umbrellas over it, and the, the sp- they're awful. Like there's nothing good. Yeah. And you know you you've got, it's got to be bad to notice. Like I've never been one to notice. Like wow, you know like the 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 makeup of these jerseys look terrible. You've got to be that bad. Obviously you've got bad color schemes and whatnot, but that's not fanatics problem. But like just the. The literal make of them, you know how bad that has to be for people to notice? And it has been beyond bad. Dude, it's it's fascinating that like such a simple thing that has been so fine for so long and they can just come in and just fuck it up right away. Like the lettering, it looks like the knockoff jerseys you get at like Coles for these players with a letter or like it looks like the the youth jerseys where the lettering is just oddly small compared to everything else. And then yeah, obviously the transparency of the pants. You've got guys whose jerseys, I don't know if you saw the thing of the Indians or excuse me, Guardians, where their uh their cuffs their cuffs were like different patterns or different color. It just a massive fuck up all around that is genuinely uh, pretty fascinating that they managed to fuck that up too bad. But that is just the one baseball thing I wanted to touch on because that is kind of the biggest thing going on with uh, spring training and the swing. biggest thing. Uh, it, it, yes, a lot of there's hammers. A lot of big thing. Around. A lot of big a lot things of, we're seeing. A lot of big things. We're seeing lots of bat and balls, and that's before the game even tips off. So uh, whatever, Pat. Let's get into the football stuff. We'll start with our news for the Good week. Evening. I'm Ron Burgundy, and this is what's happening in your world tonight. Now. The number one thing that was a little bit surprising, Pat, is the salary cap ended up going fucking burr. So projections had the salary cap at about two hundred and forty-five-ish million dollars. Um, those expectations were shattered. Cap went up to two hundred and fifty-five point four million dollars, so about ten million higher than expected. I did think it was funny that I saw a bunch of people, you know, like Bucks fans and fans of teams with a lot of players that they need to resign, and they're like, "Oh, this means my team." be able to re-sign everybody i'm like that's not how economics works that means that these players contracts are just going to be higher so yeah. the bidding is going to stay the same whether you can afford guys is going to stay the same um it does not you know this does not only apply to your favorite team but this was definitely a surprise to see yeah you know i, I think i mentioned a week or two ago about how like teams will find a way to circumvent the cap well we found it they didn't even they didn't even have to get creative. Uh, the the league kind of just did it for them. But I mean, again, kudos to the NFL. Same way the NBA has always been um, praised for doing. They're giving the players a fair share of the pie. They're making they're raking in a lot of money with TV and ads and whatnot, and they're giving the players more of it. So good on them. But like it's true, it's not just going to be like oh we could sign all these more players. It's like no, it just means like if we're talking like percentage of the cap filled. 
with yeah. these contracts. It's just gonna it's just gonna go up. Maybe you know not a crazy amount, but but, but also enough. very funny that um the Super Bowl winning Kansas City Chiefs who um have a very notable fan um who probably needed this cap space more than any team. Coincidence? Yeah, stop it. Like no, like <laughs> yeah, but yeah. you know the, the T Swift effect. She's uh. She's brought the extra ten milli all by herself with the Swifties buying Travis Kelsey jerseys. Truthfully, wouldn't surprise me. Uh, Pat, going along with the financial aspect of things, again, the franchise tag window has been open for a week, and there have been teams or situations that have both committed and committed to not applying the franchise tag. So one thing we are seeing so far is there are minimal to no running back franchise tags being applied this cycle. So you've got this this free agent market was set to include Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, Derrick Henry, Tony Pollard, and Austin Eckler at the sort of top Ooh. tier of the <laughs> friend of the show, Austin Eckler. Oh, those are, Austin those, Eckler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are those are the kind of the top of the uh the running back market here. And it's it's star studded. Make make no bones about it. I mean how much they ha- each have left is is more of a question, but these are this is definitely the craziest group of big name running backs to all be available at the same time. But it sounds like there was a report that none of these guys are going to be franchise tag. Now, there was a piece of news that came out today specifically regarding Saquon Barkley, where Giants GM Joe Shane said uh, he doesn't want to tag Saquon, but it's not off the table. It became more of an option because of the cap increase. So that is one thing with the cap increase where... Uh, you know, people say, oh, you can re-sign more guys. It kind of does apply here because the franchise tag is a fixed amount based on last season. It's whatever yeah. the top five of the highest paid players from last year. So a cap increase does not mean your franchise tag is going to cost you more, which is why Joe Shane is seeing a uh, or feeling that this is a, a more you know, potential situation that he actually does tag Saquon again. I still feel like it won't end up happening, and we'll see Saquon and all these other running backs end up hitting the market but this is uh this is drastically different than than last year where you had Saquon Pollard and Jacobs all get tagged I was going to say there was all this talk these running back meetings well I bet you some of these guys are going to wish they were getting that salary that they would have had if they got franchise tagged because while these guys are some of the finest running backs the league have the league has to offer a lot of them are kind of towards the end of their prime. You could even argue that a guy like our friend Austin Eckler might be really close to the end of his prime. So, like, these guys aren't going to command these multi-year, you know, hefty salary kind of thing. I wouldn't be surprised to see at least a couple of these guys get annual averages a little bit below that number. I think the running back was like 14 minutes. I think it was, uh, what I saw was like 12 point something for uh, what have been... Pollard and uh, yeah, I think I think that's what the number would have been for all. The oh, you know why? I think I think it was like Jacobs because it would have been a second one. I believe that number goes up if you yes. get tagged a second time. Could be wrong there, but I, I could have sworn I saw like fourteen. Well, it, would, it would be but, the, it would be the second for Saquon and Pollard as well. You might be right. Either way, we're looking at twelve to fourteen. But, Sorry, we don't. But have the, but the thing is, we we might get you know the thing is they might get two years, a little bit more security at more of an old age. You know, maybe that's yeah. what they want. But it's going to be really interesting because not only are these guys kind of. You know, we talked about last year how, like, oh, these teams think they can just plug in any old running back. And, like, the answer to that is kind of like, yeah. Some, so, some like, with already, an, a, you know, a borderline oversaturated market, you've really got an oversaturated market. Because now it's not just a bunch of Joe Schmoes. These are guys who have proven to be quality running backs. So, um, I'm really interested to see, you know, we kind of picked some places for these guys last week. Just interested to see how this all shakes out. Yeah, I mean... 
I'm especially curious to see for the guys that arguably have a lot left in the tank. I mean, yeah, you know, Eckler's one thing, and even Derrick Henry's another thing with the age. But he's Derrick Henry. Well, he is Derrick Henry, but I could see those contracts being a little lower than what a guy like Saquon Barkley's going to fetch. I'll be curious between, like, Henry and Jacobs, who ends up getting more annual. Because it's like, Henry's the guy who's definitely reached higher highs, and Jacobs, you know, didn't have a great year this past year, but he's, what, three years younger than Derrick Henry? And the thing so with Jacobs, that was going to be interesting. Jacobs, obviously, he missed a handful of games to end the year, but he doesn't have, like, a significant injury history like he's a guy that you that's like feels like he's on the injury report every week but he doesn't miss a whole lot of games so the youth the obviously lesser production but it's fucking derrick henry what you were talking about everyone like yeah like you'd think that and of course the raiders said like oh yeah we're gonna try and it's like yeah i'm sure you're gonna try but how hard are you really gonna try right. is my thing there i mean we'll see what do we got we've got a couple weeks now still a couple weeks Mar- yeah march 13th this, when this official op- free agency opens that's not soon enough. They, they, we're just going to be sitting here. Uh, we're just going to be sitting here talking about this um, for a few more weeks now until this happens. But at least glad to see these guys are at least going to have some kind of freedom to kind of uh, get paid in proper. You know, I think there's a decent chance that some of these guys uh, return. You know, like it's yeah. not out of the question that guys like Saquon and Jacobs return. I wouldn't be surprised at all to see a guy like Tony Pollard return to Dallas. But Zeke, yeah, yeah. <laughs> more guys like Eckler and, and Henry, though, it, it almost seems inevitable that they are going to they're going to be gone. And they're the older side of the spectrum. So it'll be more so interesting for those two. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a fun free agent running back class to watch. Uh, the one thing I will warn about is that ju- I, it ju- this came to mind because I saw Adam Schefter's tweet where it was like, this is going to be, you know, the most notable and accomplished running back class ever. Um just just keep in mind that like these guys are very much at different points in their careers because I you know when you're thinking about it from a fantasy football perspective and from how hyped you should be if one of these guys signs with your team just just remember that like the name Austin Eckler and the name Derrick Henry doesn't necessarily mean as much as it once did like they they can definitely help your team but I just don't want it to be like oh god we finally have all these great free agent running backs I'm so excited to see where they go like they're all going to make such a difference they're going to make varying levels of differences on their team and quite honestly Honestly, I could see one or multiple of them not making a huge impact on their own from like a fantasy perspective of you wanting. Yeah, these are guys that are going to make. If yeah, this is definitely with at least some of them more of a case of you're going to be happy that these guys are on your team more so than fantasy. I I think we're on the same page here that Saquon is going to have the biggest impact, whether it's in New York or whether it's somewhere else. Like I think he is definitely the cream of this crop here. Absolutely, and he makes me uh, cream my pants when I watch. Wait, what? Okay, so those guys are not getting franchise tag, but Daddy, chill. (laughs) Tag, you're it. Some guys are getting franchise tag. Now, we only have one official franchise tag as we sit down and do this podcast. That is T. Higgins, which we expected, but this crop of franchise tags is interesting. Last year, again, we had all the running backs get tagged. We had some other positions get tagged. But it was pretty clear at the time that those guys were going to sign the tag and stay with their team, most likely. This time, this year, it seems like these guys, the ones that are getting tagged, are having a decent chance of being traded, or at least that's getting floated a little bit more than it was last year. T. Higgins being the poster child for this. So Bengals executive Duke Tobin did not shoot down a potential trade involving T. Higgins. He said the team is better with Higgins, but he can't predict all the potential scenarios. Now, 
we talked at the top of the pod Pat, about how sometimes when these execs say things, they can be nothing burgers. They have to kind of, you know, toe the line a little bit. But this is notable when you put it in the context of last year where he told other teams to get your own wide receiver. Like that's what he came out and said when it came to T Higgins. Now he's putting T out on the market a little bit. He's saying this is something we're willing to do. It is certainly not as hard of a stance that he is taking. So a tag and trade for T Higgins, not off the table. And I don't think it should be because I think T Higgins could fetch a pretty nice return. And they've, you know, not that it, not that it's a bad thing to have two great wide receivers like him and Jamar Chase, but when you've got Jamar Chase, I feel like that allows you to be a little more flexible in a situation like this. Exactly. And like, we're, you know, there's a great, um, draft class of wide receivers so we could clearly see that the market is going to be there for T. Higgins as well like there are going to be a lot of suitors Carolina possibly like Tampa if Mike Evans walks uh, Kansas City Philly Tennessee a lot of teams there could be really be a lot of teams in the market for T. Higgins and like I, I feel like it even might be a case of like hey in this draft we can go get a younger better T. Higgins like Think about like when the Vikings traded Stephon Diggs, and and wound up with Justin Jefferson over it. Like I, like so many instances where it's you kind of just like turn the page. Not to say T Higgins is bad. Like T Higgins, sure. I don't. We've yet to see T Higgins' true potential. Obviously, being a number two and having some injury issues, but I feel like it's kind of a win-win for Cincinnati because either you can trade him and, and re, you know coop, recoup a decent return and possibly get some of the draft, or you keep T. Higgins, and you've got probably the best wide receiver, too, in the whole league, if not one of. Yeah, definitely. Um, some of these other guys getting tagged, you know, similar situations and different situations. Justin Matabike, uh, Baltimore Ravens, he is going to be tagged if an extension is not done by the deadline, that coming from their GM, Eric DaCosta. It does not sound like for Matabike that a uh, trade is on the table for him. They fully intend to keep him around, but a guy with a similar situation is T. Higgins, Legereus Sneed with the Kansas City Chiefs. So the Chiefs have said if they can't get an extension done with Sneed by the deadline, he will be tagged and he could be tagged and traded, much like the T. Higgins situation. Uh, the Chiefs did this most recently with D. Ford in 2019. They tagged him and then traded him for a second round pick. So God, this is, you're, you're, yeah, you're starting to see this. Uh, you know, we talked about the Chiefs um, having multiple guys and not necessarily being able to afford them all because of Legereus Sneed and Chris Jones both being free agents and uh, them potentially wanting to add a wide receiver. So even though the Chiefs aren't in cap hell like a lot of teams are, they still can't re-sign some of these guys who are, you know, first team all pros at their position. So Sneed could be moving on potentially. Yeah, and you might think that they'd rather hang on to him than Chris Jones with the age and all, but it seems like they want Chris Jones back. Seems like he wants to be back. So... Uh, yeah, I, I think very well that we could see that. The Chiefs have been very good at kind of finding and developing these corners as well. So I can understand, you know, Chris Jones feels a little bit more like a more irreplaceable player. So if that is the route they decide to go, I, I completely understand it. Uh, we've got some releases to touch on as well. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are releasing linebacker Shaq Barrett as a post-June 1st cut. Uh, obviously instrumental in their Super Bowl run in 2020. And then the year before that, 2019 had 19 and a half sacks. But sadly, the kiss of death for really any position that requires, you know, cutting and athleticism, uh, tore his Achilles in 2022. Hasn't really been the same player since, and now you've got the Tampa Bay Bucks with Shaq Barrett are going to have 
dead money in 2024 at a total of 9.2 million. 2025, they will have 17.4 million in dead money, but it will save 4.9 million in total. So a, a slight cap savings there. And then the Jets releasing guard Lake and Tomlinson. They'll take on about 11 million in dead money, but free up 8.1 million in cap space. So the Jets, uh, you know, further complicating things with their O line in the this- name of saving money. This was a bad one when it happened. I remember, like, what Tomlinson was, I think he was a first-round pick to the Lions. Well, God, whatever year it was, probably way too long ago. 1984. 2015, so basically. And, like, you got the point where the Niners were declining his option, and then the Jets are giving him a three-year deal, where now it's, like, he's still Lake and Tomlinson, like, what, it was George Fant a couple years before that? Like, the Jets just like bringing in... He's just flat out bad <laughs> offensive lineman paying them way too much money and then just having to bite that later. Sadly for the Jets, the days of Nick Mangold and Debrickashaw Ferguson are, are long past because, uh, man, what they wouldn't give to have those guys back. God. Pat, Pat the most notable release thus far early on in the, uh, the offseason. Our boy, Johnu Smith has been released by the Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> Thank you for your service, Janu. This was not a surprise uh, because Arthur Smith is no longer in the building. I mean, he's just Arthur Smith's little little plaything at this point. I, you think he's going to the Steelers, Pat? What do we, what do we think's going on with? Come Johnu? on, where else would he go? I, <laughs> I well, the Steelers they just they have decent tight end depth because they have yep. Pat Fryermuth and they have Darnell Washington who's going to enter his second year, and I think they have. Reasonable tight end depth behind him, behind those two guys. I forget as well. his name. God, he was playing all. He was playing all year. Yeah, there, ah, there was somebody that not I, Matt Spaeth. Don't no, say Matt Spaeth. Not Matt Spaeth. Uh, oh, Hayward, there, Connor got, Hayward, Connor Hayward. Yes, thank you. So it's he like didn't really do a whole no, lot, but you saw right. him on the field course, a lot when Fryermuth sure, was like, out. Of course, Janu's better than Hayward, but it's like at what point you know you've got Fryermuth is going to be your entrenched starter tight end one. But who knows, Pat, because, I mean, that's what Kyle Pitts was in Atlanta, so we'll see. Well, here's the thing, too, is, like, you look at that tight end. We talked about last week how the tight end market is just a whole lot of mid. Mm-hmm. Um, John U. Smith is actually, like, not the least intriguing option out of there. Like, I can yeah. honestly see some teams bringing in John U. Smith with the intention of giving him a decent amount of run as opposed to the Steelers, which would just kind of be funny at this point. Yeah, I mean, you've got a tight end class that off the top of my head I know has Hunter Henry, Mike Gesicki, Noah Fant. So, I mean, there's, there's, yeah, there, there's some names there, but it's not – you're right. Like, John U. Smith kind of – he kind of fits seamlessly into that I think he guys. fits right it's into like, it, yeah. Yeah, it's just a matter of what you know sort of skill set you want. And, and look, as much as we make fun of the fucking trick plays Arthur Smith ran with John U. Smith, like, if you want the type of tight end that can run a jet sweep for you every once in a while, John U. the only one out of that crew that can do it. I'd like to see Mike Gesicki try it maybe. But John is the only one out of those guys that has that sort of skill set, you know, clearly in his bag. So who knows? Maybe John who ends up with the Steelers, maybe he ends up elsewhere. But all I know, Pat, is and and I, I made this was probably this was probably my best call from last season was that John U. Smith would obtain some sort of fantasy relevance because I ju- there was no reason for it, but I was like, I, Arthur Smith's just such a fuckhead that it wouldn't surprise me. John U. Smith will see this offseason now if he can Honestly, uh, you, regain it. Like, you weren't even right enough somehow. Like, you, you were too right. I know. Like, I know. 
I know that was that was uh, one that I just kind of remembered. I I had had that take. I was like, man, I don't think John is going to fall by the wayside. And look, he's he seems to always find his way onto the fantasy radar. Uh, we'll see if he can do so again in a new location in 2024. Pat mentioned it at the top of the show. It is Combine Week, but. Where the fuck is everyone? Uh, it seems like there's <laughs> a lot less hype surrounding this year's NFL Combine, and a large reason for that is that a lot of the top players are not participating. They'll be in Indy to you know interview and ask que- and answer questions and you know take some of the physical uh, uh, measurements, but they will not be testing. And those players include Caleb Williams, Jaden Daniels, Drake May, Marvin Harrison Jr., and Malik Neighbors. Uh, I'm sure plenty of other players, but for it to be so many guys who are projected top ten, even top five pick, like those players in some combination could be the top five picks, and nobody would be surprised. None of them are going to work out. Uh, Williams, Daniels, and Neighbors will work out at their pro days. Harrison will not work out at all. Uh, Drake May, I did not see if he's going to work. I imagine he'll work out at his pro day because it's just, it's a very uncommon thing to not even do that. But we do know that Harrison will not be doing that. Marvin Harrison is fully preparing for his rookie season, feels he has proved enough. He's telling teams, go watch my tape. Like that's, that's all I need to say. And honestly, Pat, I think that's fair, but it definitely has taken a little bit of steam out of the combine um i'm not super excited to even try to tune in to be honest uh and i'm not particularly interested anyway but i don't blame some of these guys because like i feel like when you're towards this top the top of the class here can really only hurt you at the combine like i feel like a lot of the success excuse me success stories out of the combine seem to be these lower ranked guys just launching up the a lot of people's big boards yeah um at their pro days, you know, it's a little more controlled, you know, uh, you know, you can do what you want, you know, do what drills you want to do and things and things like that. But yeah, I don't necessarily blame these guys and like, like, you know, like, oh, this guy's too short or this guy's hands are too small or this guy didn't do well in this one drill this one time in an unfamiliar setting. Right. It's like it. Yeah, it, it is crazy to me. I feel like the combine has sort of overstayed its welcome a little bit not that it should be removed or anything but that there should definitely be less stock put into the combine at this point because all you end up doing is showcasing guys who have the raw skills but haven't been able to put it together on the field and i know that that's kind of what teams are looking for when they're looking for like the hidden gem sort of players but more often than not if they haven't been able to put it together on the field, the combine isn't going to reveal anything. Puka Nakua tested terrible at the combine. Like that did not reveal the combine did not reveal the obvious or not obvious, but the ultimate hidden gem of yeah. that class. I feel like oh, one second. Excuse me, loud throat clear. Um, <laughs> um, I feel like you 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 make a good point. Like I feel like the NFL out of the three major sports that I watch, at least MLB and NBA, like. In college, you've either got it or you don't. Like, in basketball, you hear a lot of this thing like, oh, this guy didn't do well in college, but he's got all the raw tools to be a great NBA mm-hmm. player. And that, a lot of the time, that's true. But, you like, yeah, in the NFL, football is just such a... I feel like you either have it or you don't. In, in a lot of ways, I think that's true. And it, it's, it's hard because, you know, football is obviously the ultimate team sport, and you can, you know, potentially fall by the wayside, um, and like, like a guy like Puka Nakua did. And I think, I don't think it's so much that you've got it or you don't. If you weren't productive in college, you won't be in the NFL. It's more so that the combine is not going to teach you anything. 
Yeah. yeah. It's like you got to you got to learn through talking to these players, finding out who's got the right mindset, who's, you know, why a guy underperformed in college and you're not going to get any of those answers through the testing at the combine. The 40 well, times are simply yeah. a way for John Ross to get drafted way too fucking high. Darius Hayward Bay looking asses, but um, <laughs> right. I I do, I do think at least more so for skill position players, because I think a lot of times, you know, we'll see like, like, for example, Dawson Knox did not catch a single touchdown at Ole Miss sitting behind DK Metcalf and AJ Brown. He's been a productive guy. But I feel like when we're talking about quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, maybe even secondary, it's like, those are the guys that you really see on display there. Like, you know, I feel like a tight end in the trenches, things like that, you can kind of ease your way into something more. Yeah, like I, I see the benefits from a perspective of like team, like representatives from these teams can finally talk to these players for the first time and you know get to know them and, and all that. But I just the testing, man, I don't know. Like especially, especially the forty time, forty times could not possibly matter any fucking less at this point. It is game speed and your 40 time are such different. We are not running Olympic trials in the NFL. We're not. So I don't know why players are asked to train for this specific test that does not translate to the NFL at all just so we can find out what your straight line speed is when you're wearing shorts and a tank tie. It's it's very odd to me. So I don't the only thing guys for The only good out. thing I think about it is we get to see Rich Eisen do it in a full suit every <laughs> year. And it's for a good cause. And it's for a good cause more so. That is true. We should we should do the combine, Pat. Me and you, and uh, that would that would, really, that would really get our following up. I think. Um, Shit, I'll run okay. a shirtless forty. I ooh, I'm I'm in. I'm so in. Okay, so another element of the combine week that I mentioned earlier. Uh, this is where the seeds were planted for that Bears Panthers trade last year. Um, could we see the same for a Justin Fields trade? It sounds like that is a distinct possibility uh, here in the coming days. The more and more things that come out, the more it sounds like even further cemented that the Bears are going to keep the number one pick, draft Caleb Williams, and get rid of Justin Fields. And how do we know that? Well, Pat, it comes down to this. We'll move into this segment of just we're going to rifle through a bunch of comments that were made by GMs and coaches throughout just just today Tuesday February 27th as the combine got going because there's a lot of stuff one of them being from Bears GM Ryan Poles who said he wants to do right by Justin Fields now if that doesn't tell you he's out the door I don't know what does that is just we're moving on from you and we want to make sure you're taken care of on the way which is nice to hear in fairness yeah yeah I mean they put a lot into him and now try to get as much out of you can out of him while respecting him in the process which he seems to think they're not doing but yeah so we are officially if we weren't already we are officially on justin field's trade watch like to the point where i will not be surprised if you know that alert hits my phone at any point from now until you know the next week or two i'll be a little surprised if it doesn't hit it before that week or two but it is now at the point where this could happen at any moment so be on the lookout uh polls also said he has no concerns about caleb williams potentially not wanting to play in chicago so you know this is this is uh, yeah, clearly. This this is one of those things that it could be nothing, and it it doesn't necessarily mean he's gotten like assurance from Caleb's camp that you know yes he's he's excited to play in Chicago or anything like that. But it's got to be a little encouraging for Bears fans that you know Poles is not showing any sort of apprehension to this possibility because this is a situation we've seen you know in the past with Eli Manning refusing, ref, yeah, refusing John to play L- where he's drafted. John Elway as well. So, you know, it's not unprecedented. Um, and with uh, honestly, with how poorly the Bears have developed quarterbacks, I understand. But at the same time, maybe the Bears have just had quarterbacks that were not 
They weren't it. Like, you can say they're bad at developing quarterbacks, but who's to say Mitch Trubisky turns into anything better if he's drafted somewhere else? Who's to say Justin Fields is playing significantly better if he's if he goes somewhere else? I mean, I guess we'll get somewhat of an answer to that soon if, if a team can capitalize on him, but and, still, who knows? And honestly, like, Caleb Williams is probably good enough that if they can't develop him, it may not matter. Like, the guy just might be good enough to be able to persist through whatever. Yeah, I mean, he's certainly a higher-level prospect than any of the quarterbacks the Bears have drafted in the last couple of years, particularly Mitch Trubisky. Looking back at that one is, man, that is just not a good look. Um, okay, 49ers GM John Lynch talked about Brandon Ayuk, Pat. This is a guy that when we talked about the Niners you know, after the Super Bowl, we talked about how they would have some tough decisions to make coming up soon because they have so many all pros on their team so many guys who either are being paid a lot or are about to be paid a lot and that's without even talking about Brock Purdy's contract that'll come up after uh this season um so you know Brandon Ayuk became a big question what would they do with him what would they do with Debo Samuel could that be where they go to save some money but John Lynch talking about Ayuk said we've got a nice track record of extending players that are important to us and Brandon's a guy that we want to keep around for a long time so Look, to me, that's that's as that's kind of as clear as it gets as far as what their intent is. Now, does that mean they ultimately come to an agreement? No, but it does tell me that they're prioritizing him, which for a smart organization like the 49ers that's so good at identifying talent, I'm glad that that's how they feel about it. It sounds like if they were to want to free up cap space by getting rid of a receiver, it would be Debo Samuel, who is, you know, a, a more... I guess a more versatile player, but an older player. And I think they know that he's a guy who misses several games with injuries every year, uh, you know, pretty debilitating injuries at that. So it doesn't surprise me that they want to go this direction. It's probably nice though for Niners fans to hear official confirmation that, you know, they're not going to get rid of their kind of budding star receiver. It's not, it's like Brandon Ayuk, I feel like is a same tier of receiver as a T Higgins, but it's such a different situation. I because like him you better. You, I, I do too. You don't have a Jamar Chase next to Brandon Ayuk that makes Brandon Ayuk expendable. You have Debo Samuel, who's older, and when you have to make the choice between those two guys, yeah, you should go with the younger guy, and it seems like that's what the Niners are doing, and I think that's a good choice. Uh, Pat, this one had to get you get you a little excited in your pants, I assume. I assume. GM Tom Telesco of the Las Vegas Raiders emphasized that wide receiver Devontae Adams is not going anywhere, despite some trade rumors. He said, quote, he's a Raider. How do you feel about this? one those trade rumors have been going on like since he got there i i believe this i believe this that it would take a king's ransom to get him away from there the jets or whoever i would just be really really surprised to see it happen because they don't have a whole lot behind him like he is the focal point especially with josh jacobs currently not on the team he is the focal point of that offense and unless they really want to rebuild here um in the antonio pierce era which i hope to god they don't want to do but I, I would be really, really surprised if he was gone. I will say I'm a little surprised at what a strong stance they're taking on the on the situation. Just because, you know, yes, the the Raiders don't have obviously they don't have any other weapons the level of Devontae Adams. But if they traded Devontae Adams, they would certainly have a deficiency in terms of skill players. I mean, you're looking at Jacoby Myers as wide receiver one, Michael Mayer, who I think will take a step forward. He's your tight Trey end. Tucker. Trey Tucker. I mean, look, he flashed last year, but yeah, it would definitely be a, a, they would feel that hit. I'm a little surprised though, just the fact that, you know, they don't have a quarterback that can lead this team. They are missing some other pieces that would make them a truly competitive team. I'm surprised they're holding on so tight to a 30, what, one year old wide receiver when 
in theory, I feel like you might be able to get the Jets to overpay quite a bit just because of the reuniting with Aaron Rodgers aspect. I, I think it also depends on who they can bring in at quarterback. Like yeah. if they go through, if maybe if they go and draft a quarterback, you think like, oh, like yeah, like maybe it is kind of a rebuild. But if they could bring in a guy like Justin Fields or Kirk Cousins or someone else who can kind of help them be competitive close sooner right now possibly but I, I guess we'll have to see uh come april but honestly i feel like if they're going to trade him it's going to be before the draft because it's going to include a large amount of draft capital so yeah I, I don't think it's a bad choice to hold on to him i think even if you do draft a quarterback like it's it's obviously going to help to have a guy like Devonte adams around i'm just a little surprised at you know how strongly the statement was made it, it wasn't uh it wasn't a we'll see it wasn't uh you know if the right offer comes around then maybe but we'd prefer to have him kind of deal it was no we're keeping him he's a raider so i'm sure Devonte adams is happier about this than he was six months ago when josh mcdaniels was still around it seems like the vibe of the raiders is definitely a lot better so maybe he's having fun there and maybe he just doesn't really want to leave who knows uh I, so many people just pegged him to go to the jets that it was like felt almost like a foregone conclusion at one point but seems like he's going to be in Vegas at least for right now. Uh, Pat, we've got Panther Panthers Titans GM Rand Carthon on Tajay Spears. Now this is going to be one of the darlings of the fantasy football world here oh, in man. a few months. Once people start thinking about that again, he said about Tajay Spears, for lack of a better way of putting it, he's made of the right shit. So that's pretty great to hear a GM come out and say that, and definitely is going to light a fire in the in the undies of any Tajay Spears and, dynasty owners or potential redraft drafters. And that's not even his only electric quote in this segment here either like this guy is just spewing off bangers but yeah Tajay Spears I mean we saw it last year three down potential you know we clearly know we can handle the the third down get a good pass catcher and he he certainly showed flashes the end of the year to the point where they would like to move on from Derrick Henry who granted is old and but is still producing at a reasonable level but they have uh, Spears is probably a bit more dynamic at this point. You know, Henry, you kind of know what you're going to get. Just uh, a power runner, one of the best power runners to ever do it. But, you know, Spears kind of gives you just a little bit more. I still think they're probably going to bring in a bruiser to go with him, but one who will get the Tajay Spears, you know, allotment of carries from this past year with Spears moving into Henry's. Pat, right now, if things are as they are right now, heading into draft day, where are we taking Tajay Spears? Is he a dead zone back or is he like an early third back? I because those are different things slightly. Like our dead zone kind of starts late third. I feel like. I is he would like say, is he a guy that's got his own merit? Well, one, it depends on who they bring in. If they bring right. in, I'm like saying, my assuming boy, they, assuming they bring in a depth guy who's obviously a depth guy. Say they bring in literally Chase Edmonds, who we'll mention him in a few minutes. But like, like they bring in that guy yeah. where, yeah, where Ty J Spears is clearly going to, you know, have the crack, have the job to himself unless he massively fucks it up. Where do you think he goes in fantasy football drafts? I would say, if anything, if he is going to go in the dead zone, I think he would be at the very top of it. Mm. Um, mm. I, I ask just because the dead zone is typically running backs who – are not rookies. They've had there's at least one red in the flag league, in there. But there, yeah, there's a red flag. It's usually the guys that have been in the league and are like just now getting their first crack at a job because you and so you don't know what they're going to do or, or it's injuries, guys falling off the other way. Yeah, injuries, aging, uh, competition, and yep. like honestly, doesn't seem like Tajay Spears is going to have any of that. I mean, yep. granted, the only thing he's going to have is it's going to be his first crack at it. That's the only yeah. thing on his. So, if anything, I think he would go like very, very close to the dead zone. 
Like, I, I don't think this is going to be, a, you know, like one of these knockout guys that, like, people are going to, like, confidently take. Like, I feel like he might be more of, like, a... Well, no, it, not, it wouldn't even be a zero RB thing because it would still be in the in the third round. So, I mean, it'll also be interesting to see, like, others around him. There's going to be a lot of moving pieces here, uh, depending yeah. on which guys go where. So, but I'll say he's not in the dead zone, but he's damn close. Yeah, it's just it just gives me flashbacks strictly because of the situation to like Alexander Madison, where it's different because I think Ty J Spears is a better player. I agree. We, I don't. I, I got to look into it and see kind of how he compares to Madison in some other ways. But it's like you have Madison who was in the league for the longest time, flashed in stretches, and then you know got the job. Is the fact that he's getting the job and is clearly the guy getting the job going to elevate him? above the dead zone or is it going to keep him kind of you know people are gonna be hesitant and just kind of keep him in there i think that'll be a fun one to watch because the ty j spears hype train has the potential to be the hype train i was gonna say i bet you he is one of if not the the trendiest player you know you know what i feel like it is i feel like it's going to be similar to the rashad white situation where rashad white was in the dead zone he was just the hit of the dead zone. i like ty j spears better Really? Okay. Like going so into this Tajay year, Spears go, will be on Pat's team. Got it. I'm gonna say I like Tajay Spears better than I liked Rashad White last year, and obviously everybody should have liked Rashad White more. But at least right now, I think that he's got a little more upside than than Rashad White. I would agree. All right, Titans drafting Blake Corum confirmed. Moving on. <laughs> See, exactly. <laughs> like yeah, they, they could just pour pour water on our fire right away. 100%. Uh, Pat, you mentioned the other comment from Rand Carthat. I'll just touch on it here really quick. It's just very funny, and it's not relating to any particular player, but he was asked if there are other positions besides the Titans' primary needs, offensive line and wide receiver, that they're focused on, to which he replied, not really. So I love that. There's no there's no gray area. The, no the opposite this of man coach is, speak. Yeah. This man is straight to the point. So this, this guy's like, we are drafting a lineman or a receiver. There's no bones about it. And where are they drafting? Seven, I believe. Yes, yeah, seven. There's going to yeah. be plenty of good options at either position. So yeah, depending on how things shake out, I mean, you could have anything from Malik Neighbors and Roman Donze. Yeah, they might get that to top Joe line. Alt. I mean, yeah, yeah. You, you never know. It's very possible. I feel um, like it's either the Chargers no. or them. I feel like either the Chargers are going to take him or, or he's going to be there. Yeah, I agree. And then okay. Tajay Spears could be one of the darlings of fantasy football season. Another one, Pat, that we've been trying to make happen, but this guy has just kind of tried to his hardest to not make himself happen. Jamison Williams. So Dan Campbell on Jamison Williams said, by the end of the year, we really felt like he was coming into his own and said, Williams will push to be a full-time starter now. Um, there's an element of this comment where it's like, duh, he's going to push to be a full-time starter. I think yeah. what's what's more interesting to me is the idea of him actually becoming one because if you get you know 98% of snaps version of Jamison Williams, what does that look like? Because for me personally, I had kind of resigned myself to being out on Jamison Williams. Yes, I know the Lions offense, you know, they kept around Ben Johnson, but just the fact that they have Amon Ross St. Brown, Sam Laporta, Jameer Gibbs, David Montgomery, I was like, even if Jamison Williams puts everything together i don't see him being or i didn't see him being more than a gabe davis maybe advanced version of gabe davis sort of producer but if he's actually going to be on the field all the time and we're going to see because you know josh reynolds is a free agent i wonder if this speaks to josh reynolds possibly not coming back but so is donovan peoples jones 
Like it's it's literally, but like just saying from like a literal depth chart chart perspective, it's literally St. Brown and Khalif Raymond. Yeah, yeah. Outside of Williams? Jamison Williams, based on what he's done so far in the NFL, did not strike me as a guy that a team would want to commit to giving a full-time starter role. It was almost like he would maybe earn that over time. But look, if we head into next year and it's Amon Ross St. Brown standing across from Jamison Williams on that field, that's going to change a lot of things for fantasy football. Like, this is going to be a guy that people are going to have you know, in their flex on week one, potentially, if he has that yeah. role. And I'm sure they're going to give him that opportunity, but it's, again, what's he going to do with that? Because we've seen a lot of just boneheaded things, even off the field, gambling on, on yeah. t- you know, team fa- in team facilities. So, but like I just said, though, he might be, the, you know, he's going to at least enter right now as the, the clear number two on the depth chart. He's such a weapon, but the only problem is their two best players on offense, St. Brown and Jameer Gibbs, are such weapons in their own. Yeah, they, I think to more agree that I think if anything, Williams is going to be more of a deep threat. Um, you know, more of a, could be like a gadget guy, but in that Lions offense, that might be enough to make you fantasy relevant. It's just like, is he going to capitalize on this opportunity? Yeah, he's a guy with. If he becomes a starter, he has maybe the widest range of outcomes of any play. Like this is a guy that you know his talent and his skill set coming out of college suggested that this could be a top 10 fantasy and top 10 NFL wide receiver at some point. And he has just not even come close to putting that together. So I think it's kind of been put off in our minds a little bit. But if this guy ends up being a full-time starter in a Ben Johnson offense, there is a world where he becomes, you know, undeniable in the sense that, Yes, the Lions have a lot of weapons, but he can assert himself to the top of those weapons. It's not impossible. I'm not banking on it, but I'm going to be very interested to see where his draft stock ends up being, especially if this comment ends up coming to fruition. Uh, Bucks head coach Todd Bowles, speaking of Rashad White a couple minutes ago, Pat, he said he'd like to add another back to take the load off Rashad White. Said he li- said he liked what he saw from Chase Edmonds last year. So the first half of that comment, made a lot of sense it's something we've discussed we've been talking about that yeah um the second part of that comment feels to me like coach speak where it's just we saw this other guy and he looked okay and he's still on our roster i think is he still on the roster as he's gotta be a free agent right i would think but then i'm like why is he even fucking talking about him he throw him at the top of that uh that list of uh of top free agents, according to Todd Bowles. Yeah, yeah Chase Edmonds is yes, a, he is a free, undrafted, he's free agent. or undrafted. He's an unrestricted free agent. So, yeah, look, if it's Chase Edmonds that comes back, then Rashad White to the moon again. <laughs> but but if I do think they will bring else, Chase Edmonds back, but I do think they're going to bring somebody else in with him. Like, like yeah. Todd Bowles has got to say that, but, like, stop it. Stop it. We yeah. haven't seen even Chase Edmonds, even back when he had some opportunities in Arizona. This guy has never really taken advantage of it. He looked really good in Miami for a couple weeks until Mike McDaniel uh, just like, LOL, man, Raheem Mostert. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you, you remember that. You remember that better uh, than anybody. But I, I drafted Chase Edmonds as my RB2 that year, and lucky for me. Yeah, didn't um, you draft Mostert right after, though, right? I, I did. I did. Luckily, I had Raheem Mostert. And honestly, Pat, having Raheem Mostert, is why I ended up drafting Raheem Mostert this year and why he carried me to be 4-0. So, but yes, the uh, the Chase Edmonds sort of draft uh, draft project did not go well for me, and he's he's very mid. But yeah, it's it's look, it's not surprising to hear this from Bulls, but at the same time, it is. 
I'm not going to say nice to hear because if you're a Rashad White believer, you don't want to hear this. It is something that was probably inevitable that Rashad White was just, he's not going to be this workhorse back. And it's more so what level of player are they now going to bring in and how much of Rashad White's workload are they going to eat into? In like, you know, Rashad White to the moon if it's Chase Edmonds, but like we're going to have a new offensive coordinator there. Mm-hmm. Um, and we talked about kind of his efficiency issues, kind of these red flags in terms of just his talent. I wouldn't take him in the first round, even if it's just him and Chase oh, Edmonds. Oh, God, no. No, no, Like, no, he was no. RB5, so you, like, think he would be in yeah, that range. Like, you're right. I would not even consider taking him as my, even as my RB1, assuming he would be going in, like, the top two rounds. No way. Yeah, I, I hate to be, like, kind of a hater this early on in the process, but I feel like Rashad White, we get to our portion of the pods where we're talking about potential busts for the year. I think he's going to be, like, one of my guys, especially if Pat, if his ADP is anywhere inside the top, like, honestly, the top 30, I'm going to say there's a good chance that he ends up being a bust if they bring in any running back of note in this backfield. If they don't, I would say anywhere, I, I would say he should be ranked maybe inside the top he should be ranked inside the top 30 if they don't bring in anyone else notable, he, but I still, I'm not going to be a big fan of him. Next he, he's year. like one of those guys that you want your opponent, you, you know, someone else to take. Yeah. Like I'm yeah. not going to take him high, but I hope someone else does, which ironically this year was Travis Etienne and James Connor. So like, right. What yeah, the fuck do we know? Yeah. What the fuck do we know? But no, Rashad White, look, talented player. I don't want to, I don't want to take anything away from him. He is a good NFL player. He belongs in this league. He deserves to get a lot of touches throughout a game. I just, I warn anybody that thinks they're going to get another top five running back season from Rashad White and honestly another even a top 10 running back season. I think you're looking at more of a kind of boom bust RB2 with the new situation he is likely to have next season. And I just I don't see him being a player that I invest in in those rounds. Uh, But who knows? Um, Speaking of the same situation, Pat, GM Jason licked, leaked, licked, spoke about my boy. Sean Tucker, (laughs) Sean Tucker, he said, Sean Tucker needs to take a big step. He has the talent, speed and size. So look, it wasn't super complimentary. I just thought it was funny that honestly, he even mentioned fucking Sean Tucker. Um, What did he bring up Keyshawn Vaughn after that too? Or Uh, I mean, man, look, I I want it to be Sean Tucker season so bad. I just don't think I'm going to get it. Okay. Players that are actually a little more relevant than Sean Tucker, but not by much. John Harbaugh said the ball is going to get to Rashad Bateman a lot more next year. Man, talk about comments I don't give a fuck about. Talk this about has just be like at the top. deja vu. I, like, I feel like it's how always long have we been hearing this. I drafted Rashad Bateman this year, granted very late. I drafted still, him like, two years ago. It just was, from the possibility, like, and he was going in around like the tenth round two years ago, I believe as well. Like he was going yeah. in a position where like it was not a flyer. Like, it was more than a flyer. I took him as a flyer, but, like, Zay Flowers is clearly the top dog. Well, Mark Andrews is the top dog. Zay Flowers is the top dog in the wide receiver room, assuming Odell will be who knows where, and and, uh, Nelson Aguilar will be who knows where. Even, like, as the wide receiver, too, if he is that, I believe they'll bring someone else in. I still don't love it. I still don't love it. I feel like they're still going to run the ball a fuck ton, and then they're going to throw to Mark Andrews, and they've got a great young receiver in Zay Flowers. I don't give a shit about Rashad Bateman right now. I will not be fooled again by Rashad Bateman. It's February. We're not doing this already. Okay, Sean Payton says a decision on Russell Wilson's future will come in the next two weeks. So this is one of the more deadline-oriented, I guess, interesting pieces of news. Not that I give a fuck about 
you know, the impact, fantasy impact of where Russell – I guess I do because what if he goes somewhere where he tanks the value of the skill players? So it's it's interesting. That See, so weeks, you think like – you think you think that's a negative, like Russell, Russell Wilson, Wilson going somewhere. Because I think Russell Wilson would be one of the more competent – um, you know, we're both in a position where our teams need quarterbacks. Your team is more likely to do it in the draft than mine. If Russell Wilson went to the Raiders, granted, it's gonna it would be very cheap. Obviously, I wouldn't hate it. I wouldn't yeah, hate it. I I just think the upside is so low for not only Russell Wilson, but for the team he goes to and for the skill players he's going to try to support. Like, I'll say this: Look, Cortland Sutton had a great year, so that's one thing, but. Russ was not able to support more than one fantasy-relevant player on that team. And I just think things are only going to get worse. He's only getting older. And I just – I think the Broncos, Pat, truly got the most they could possibly get out of Russell Wilson. Like, I don't see Russell Wilson statistically getting better anywhere that he goes. If anything, I don't know where to go better, but. No, I just I'm not a, I'm not excited for wherever he ends up. I forgot that like they extended him too. Like it was all their fault. Yeah, <laughs> like it wasn't yeah, like yeah, they yeah. traded for this horrible contract. No. Not only did they trade away so much, which granted isn't looking awful. Like what it was Noah Fant, Drew Locke, Shelby Harris, like mm-hmm. and some picks. It's like I don't know what the picks turned into off the top of yeah, my head. But, but like yeah. at least those three players, nothing super significant, but obviously the hit that it is going to cause them in the future, that is going to be a long lasting impact on this team now who is, you know, another team that needs a quarterback. Yeah, let me uh, – I want to look up what that pick turned into because I think it was something really good. So, yes, those players, you're right, though, didn't turn into anything super notable. But, uh, oh, yeah, uh, Devon Witherspoon, is he any good? Uh, that's That was the pick the Seahawks got from from the Broncos last year. So well, that one worked out. Honestly, that one pick alone worked out. But uh, that was – that happened because the Broncos were so much worse than anyone expected. So, yeah, just a, a massive fail for Denver in, in every sense of the word. But, yes, Russell Wilson's future supposed supposedly going to be decided in the next two weeks. I am just excited to start to see these QB dominoes fall. We, we've mentioned how exactly. you know, Justin Fields was probably the first one to fall or first one to eventually fall, and then we'll probably get Russell Wilson. And then when free agency hits, we'll find out about Kirk and Baker and all these guys. But uh, for now, this is kind of the movement that we are are anticipating on the way okay our next segment here guys you may remember from last week we did a draft and we went back and forth kind of assigning the ideal fantasy football fits for some of the most notable free agents in this upcoming free agency class again starting on march 13th so i figured look the combines this week prospects are on people's minds you know as much as they're going to be up until the nfl draft let's do the same sort of thing for the top skill players in this year's nfl draft so we're going to do ideal fantasy football fits for the top skill players in the upcoming NFL draft, your Marvin Harrison's, your uh, your Malik neighbors, all these guys. And uh, yeah, you guys let us know if you agree, disagree. We're going to try and put these guys in situations where they are going to get you some fantasy points if they end up here. So Pat, I believe I had the first pick last I think week. you did. Yeah, so, so, it's so all you me. Are, are up. I do not think I am taking any stretches here. I think more, like, more likely than not, this guy is going to be there. And the fact that he is going to be there at the number four pick is insane. I think Marvin Harrison is going to be an Arizona Cardinal. I, I agree. Um, and yeah, 
that is, you know, you, we saw a great, you know, surge from Trey McBride. You know, he is going to be a clearly solid tight end. But outside of that, like, we saw phases where Zach Ertz was getting a ton of targets, where Marquise Brown were getting a ton of targets. There are plenty of targets to go around for wide receivers. Like, we've, I wanted Michael Wilson to happen. People have been trying to make Greg Dorch happen and Rondale Moore happen. The human Dorch. Like, like there is... It is wide open for the taking there. Obviously, like, they're probably not going to be very good, but Kyler Murray, you know, this will be his first full season coming off injury, is still a very competent quarterback. So you, you, you put, you give him a guy like Marvin Harrison. Yeah, I, you know, I, it, it, you know, we're talking this season, but, you know, Dynasty Startup, I think he is the clear, clear number one pick if you're doing, if you're in a Dynasty this year. I don't think that's even bold. No, the, I, I think. I think that's fair. Um, and again, look, just like last week, I think it's important to note, we are balancing both ideal fantasy fits and realistic ideal fantasy fits because uh, I'm, I, complete ideal fantasy fit is the Chiefs trade up to number four and draft Marvin Harris. We, we are under the assumption. I'm that trying to predict to as well. Yeah, yeah. You know, trying to predict. I, I think it's okay to even have a hypothetical trade or if it's realistic to you. But, you know, again, we're not going to we're not going to go so crazy off off the path here of what the draft order currently is we're kind of trying to be like okay what's the best fit where this guy is likely to be drafted so yes marvin harrison jr of the cardinals i think that kyler murray is a guy who much like lamar jackson although not to that extent i think is going to remind people who he is this upcoming year um, which like i think is going to be a big bounce back for him isn't like terrific you know i think like what right, kyler's sure. peak he's probably what like qb8 maybe yeah, but like he's so, like, so far still, off that radar. That's, that's still very good. Like yeah. that would be that would be a major like reestablishment of Absolutely. who he is because that would put him right, you know, next to like Trevor Lawrence in the QB rankings. I, I know. I'm I'm hoping he takes a little step forward as well, but it puts Kyler back in that tier of like Trevor and Justin Herbert and and that kind of level of quarterback. So, yes, I think Kyler Murray's going to have a bit of a resurgence here. Not to the level of Lamar. I'm not saying Kyler's winning the fucking MVP, but people are just kind of writing Lamar off a little bit and uh it, he very much told people not to fucking do that this year. So, um respect. And okay, with my first pick there's a few different directions I can go here. I feel like it will serve me better or the more fun picks to talk about are kind of the receivers as opposed to the quarterbacks because having a fantasy relevant quarterback in year one, like it can happen, but it's it's hard. It's hard. Like no matter where any of these quarterbacks go, nobody's going to be drafting them as a QB one. I think it'll be throwing them on your bench and seeing what they end up doing. Uh, so I'm going to go with a skill player here. And Pat, fuck it. I'm going to go with the fun one that I wanted to do. We're putting Brock Bowers on the Los Angeles Chargers. Um, Damn it. <laughs> this, this is... Again, Gerald Everett's a free agent, so they have an opening at tight end. Not that they wouldn't make room for fucking Brock Bowers even if they had Gerald Everett. But this is an interesting situation from the perspective that the Chargers are going to run the ball. Uh, we don't know who their running back is going to be, but with Jim Harbaugh at the helm and Greg Roman as the offensive coordinator, this is a team tailored to run the ball. So is it smart for me to pick a guy who is going to be reliant on the pass game and say this is his ideal fantasy fit? I don't know, but I think... Even for a team that is going to run the ball a lot, they're obviously going to have to pass it plenty as well. And when they do so, I think there's a, a an opportunity here for Brock Bowers to become a major, major go-to guy and 
you know, major red zone threat if the Chargers, let's say, move on from Mike Williams. I think Keenan Allen's probably going to stick around. Keenan Allen, assuming relative health, will be their target leader for the billionth year in a row. But Brock Bowers is a guy that can absolutely capitalize on what should be just hopefully a more efficient offense overall. I know we said the same thing last year when Kellen Moore took over as offensive coordinator, but I'm hoping eventually, you know, the the blind squirrel finds the fucking nut and the Chargers can actually make uh, make some progress here with that offense. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt right now because I love the Harbaugh higher, and I think they're just going to be in more scoring opportunities, attaching Brock Bowers to what I still believe is a quarterback with a lot of potential and maybe the most arm talent, pure arm talent in the league in Justin Herbert. Uh, I think this is a recipe for a top five tight end season for fantasy football. Yeah, I, I wanted him to. I wanted to give him to the Jets. So you, um, mm. you, you, you beat me from that. Um, but yeah, I think it's just again. I think the Jets would would have been in a similar spot. It's like I, the Chargers desperately need offensive line help. It's like Brock Bowers would be awesome. Yeah, but like, are they going to prioritize a guy like Joe Alt who is you know would possibly be the top? You know, like in a year with. You know, a worse skill position player, quarterbacks, like, and yeah, like he could very. I mean, he's going to be the top non-skill position player drafted, presumably. So, like, are do, are they going to prioritize that, or are they going to take the shiny piece? And you know, we've seen teams like Jamar Chase over Penny Sewell for the for mm-hmm. the Bengals. Like, I remember hating that, thinking like, what are they doing? Like, they need, if if the guy is going to be that good, who cares? Yeah, like, right. like they'll they'll figure it out. But if Brock Bowers is as good as he's advertised, which I presume he will be then yeah, it, it might sting a little less for the Chargers if Joe Alt does turn out to be also as good as he is advertised. And okay. uh, just a quick quick reminder for this segment yep. as well, just like last week, once we choose a player, they cannot be selected by the other person. That's why Pat said he would have given Brock Bowers to the Jets. I have assigned Bowers somewhere, so Pat's not going to assign him somewhere else. So continue. Brock Bowers. Um, <laughs> I am going, we've talked a lot about this um, team, even today. Um about their desperate need for a wide receiver to the point where uh, that's going to be one of the only positions um, that they're going to draft from. And again, I think this will be the guy that will be available at seven. So I'm going to give Rome, Rome, excuse me, Rome Adunze to the Tennessee Titans. Very interesting. Okay. I don't think he's the second best wide receiver, but I think the second best wide receiver will be gone at that point. Okay. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, I mean, I and, think there's obviously that opening with the Titans. So, and again, like talk about DeAndre Hopkins, he's old, and like he had a he had a, a solid year, but you give Will Levis that number one target for them to develop together in Brian Callahan's offense. Uh, I, I think that's again, will the Titans prioritize offensive line in that position as well? I don't know, but I, I think they they really need. AJ Brown. Hey, it could be anything. It could be even be AJ Brown. You know how much right, you've always right. wanted one of those. Like, right. So I'll I'll go with that just because where I think the um the guy ahead of him is going, Malik Neighbors, is to a cesspool. But I'll pick him there next if it so 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 happens that way. That is fair. Um, yeah, I. You know, there were comments from Brian Callahan today where he was basically not comparing Will Levis to Joe Burrow, but saying that that was still the kind of offense he was going to run. Uh, you know, some of the similar things he did with Burrow and the Bengals. And if you are going to even try to do that, yeah, you need some better receiver talent than uh, what they have behind DeAndre Hopkins at the moment. So getting DeAndre Hopkins and Roma Dunze together would certainly be a combination. Um, okay. 
I have a few here. I had Malik Neighbors to the Titans, actually. So I am going to pivot here and just not even maybe bother with Neighbors for now and leave that to you. I'm going to pick the landing spot for Jaden Daniels. And this landing <laughs> spot is likely going to require a trade-up, but I think it's a realistic team that could trade up. I'm going to put Jaden Daniels on the Denver Broncos. Looking at all of the Ooh, teams, yeah. all of the teams Jaden Daniels could end up on. You've got the Patriots who look, we're doing this before free agency, so the Patriots can go out and get, who knows, Mike Evans, something like that. But right now, they are not flush with any kind of weapons to help Jaden Daniels if we're looking at Jaden himself from a fantasy perspective and where we want him to succeed. Patriots really got nothing going on. Um, you look at your Las Vegas Raiders, Pat, who just brought in the offensive coordinator from a team that could not figure out how the fuck to handle a quarterback that runs. So I'm not putting him in Las yep. Vegas as much as Fair. I almost wanted to do that. Um, and then you, I, the other team I considered was the Atlanta Falcons. The reason I didn't choose the Atlanta Falcons, despite how flush they are with weapons, is they're a little too flush with weapons to get the most out of a running quarterback in fantasy, from, in my opinion. So... You take a team like the Denver Broncos, who has solid weapons with Cortland Sutton, Javante Williams. Who knows what Jerry Judy's future is, because I feel like there's been weird rumors with him constantly. But we'll talk about Sutton, Javante, Greg Dulcich I'm a fan of. Um, there's decent weapons there. Yeah. And it's probably the best O-line among the teams that need a quarterback. So I think Jaden Daniels, for his sake, Denver is a pretty good landing spot. And uh, that is why I've settled on them. Now, where do you think the trade-up is, to two or to three? Um, you know, that's a good question. I think it kills me, but I think three. I, I I don't want the Patriots to trade out. If this situation were to come to pass, though, um, I could see the Broncos being a team kind of kind of desperate enough to make that move and uh, make me sad on draft day because I want Jaden Daniels. It's not his best fantasy fit, but well, I want Jaden Daniels. My thing more so is I think I'm you know looking at mocks. Um, in preparation for this, a lot of play people have him going to Washington at two over Drake May yeah. anyway. That's the thing. So, like, our team's going to think, like, oh, we need to get to two if we want Jaden Daniels. So, yeah. that, that that is that is interesting. I mean, yes, I certainly like it better than Las Vegas. Um, Minnesota's yeah. another team. Um, obviously, who knows what they'll do with Kirk Cousins. Like, Minnesota would be another fun team. Um, could certainly succeed immediately, but all right. I can even I see Arizona, to... by the way. Like, I don't think Jaden Daniels necessarily falls to four, but I think th this early in the process, it's a possibility. Like, we still don't know exactly where these guys are going to lie. But, yeah, I guess I'd pick the Patriots. All right, go ahead. I, I, I tease Malik Neighbors, but I think in terms of actual fantasy production, I think I'd like to do this. I think, you know, last time I had Mike Evans departing Tampa Bay. So let's have Tampa Bay replacing him with Brian Thomas Jr. Um, wow. Also, okay. out of LSU. It's, you know, playing with uh, Daniels behind Malik Neighbors. Um, if they do lose him, they're right in that range there. What, 24? I'm just guessing. 26. Yeah. 26. 26. So in that range, in that range for sure. Um Again, we saw Mike Evans eat, and Chris Godwin didn't have well. The Chris Godwin didn't have the touchdowns. Chris Godwin had the usage, but he just yeah. did not have the numbers to really be a top fantasy guy. 
you know, Thomas goes and steps into that Evans role, assuming it's Baker Mayfield. I don't know. I dig it. Again, I just don't want to give Giants fans the satisfaction of telling them that they might get Malik Neighbors. Yeah, see, that's where I'm at, and that's why partially He's just going to go undrafted in this. It's, it's, it's partially why I didn't give Neighbors to the Giants to begin with. Not because I didn't want to give Giants fans the satisfaction, but Pat, how am I going to sit here and call it an ideal fantasy fit when he's got Daniel fucking Jones down? Well, exactly. That's like, why I don't want to pick him. Like, like if, if we I were just saying, he's like... alone, but... If we were just saying, like, a top, uh, assign these top skill position players a new home, then yeah, we'd probably put them on the Giants, but we're talking good fantasy fits here. Yeah. Oh, man. All right. Yeah, you've uh, you've thrown a wrench into where my wide receivers were going to go, because I had Brian Thomas Jr. actually to the Buffalo Bills um, to kind of play Gabe Davis and potentially not replace, but, you know, eat into the workload of Stephon Diggs if he continues to slide a little bit in terms of his skill level. Now you've got me thinking, you've got me adjusting. I, I still could take any of these quarterbacks and put them where I want them to be, or I could do what I really want to do, and I'm going to do it, and it's a move we've talked about a little bit, at, not even a little bit, a good amount. I'm going to jump into the running back uh, realm, do it. and I'm going to also put Blake Corum on the Los Angeles. What are, what are you just doing a Chargers mock draft <laughs> over here? <laughs> Charger fans, you're welcome, because I imagine most Charger fans would be pretty excited about these moves. Uh, just to summarize it, because we've explained this so many times, but Greg Roman likes to run. Greg Roman does not like to throw to his running backs, which... You know, in theory, is a negative for Corum, but with Corum not having that skill set in his bag, as as we know, it's at least not a major strength of his. This is a scheme that would fit him pretty well. It's a team that you know, for a guy who's likely to be selected not in the first round, it, you know, this is as as high of a workload situation as he's going to find. And I want to see Blake Corum in a situation like that. So I think that is the best bet for a running back in this pretty weak running back class to become fantasy relevant. And this is a guy that I would be pretty excited to draft if he ended up on the Chargers, even with their their line yeah. questions. I, I was thinking I was probably going to do that just because I couldn't really think of anything. But um, so what am I going to do that I can't think of anything? Let's just say it, the number one overall pick, Caleb Williams, uh, to the Bears. I mean, with Tufts graduate Shane Waldron now at the helm of that (laughs) offense, um, like this this whole team is going for broke here with Caleb Williams. Like Ryan Poles, Mm -hmm. Matt Eberflus, their seat isn't hot. Like they are on fire right now. Like their asses are on fire. They need this to work. And obviously we saw DJ Moore be an incredibly effective fantasy piece there. And the running game is a bit questionable, but you get more of a pure passer like like Williams as opposed to a guy like Justin Fields, who, like you said, the regime there did not know what to do with him. So obviously this guy is going number one overall for a reason. I certainly like him more than I liked Bryce Young, like when we were talking about him going number one overall. Also didn't care for CJ Stroud either, so maybe, you know, who knows, but... Yeah, I, I think that he's the best player in the draft who's going to go here, and they're going to move on from Justin Fields for a reason. Okay, I'm going to stop the Malik Neighbors slide. Just be, I don't think we should let him go undrafted just because we don't know what to do with him, but I am going to get creative. Um, originally, I had Roma Dunze to the Bears at number nine. Malik Neighbors is not going to fall at number nine, but when you have the number nine pick, you certainly have the versatility and leverage to go up 
three, four spots if you trade some future picks. I'm going to send Malik Neighbors to the Bears because that I do would be think electric. I, I do think the Bears are. Yeah, again, I think they would draft a Dunze if he was there at nine. You've removed that possibility from me. So I think the Bears are going to want another receiver to pair with Caleb. If they are going for broke with Caleb Williams, I don't think they're going to go for broke with Darnell Mooney as the wide receiver too. DJ Moore is a great weapon to have around. Cole Komet's a great weapon to have around. It's not enough when you're trying to develop a quarterback correctly for the first time in your fucking franchise's history. So I'm going to say Malik Neighbors. I don't know how they would do it, but it's only a couple picks. It wouldn't you know, completely break their bank to move up from nine to, say, six or five to get this done. Uh, so I'm going to say Malik Neighbors to the Chicago Bears. All right. Uh, that would be... That'd be hot. And I mean, that's a great fantasy fit for neighbors as well, because he's playing alongside DJ Moore on a team that, you know, is going to let Caleb Williams sling the, sling the cook, rock, yeah. because that's that's kind of Shane Waldron's M.O. We, we talked when we were talking about the coordinators about how the Seahawks didn't run the ball with Waldron as much as you thought they might because of having, you know, Kenneth Walker, Charbonnet and just the identity of the Seahawks in general was that they're a run first team, but they haven't been that they threw the ball more than 60 percent of the time. If they're going to do that with Caleb, who's got a big arm. Um, neighbors can certainly shine alongside DJ Moore, who's going to take quite a bit of coverage to his side of the field. Okay. I am going here. Kind of going a couple obvious ones. Um, I've got one, but I think it's just going to be ridiculous, so I don't think I'm going to do it. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. Put Penix somewhere. Take Michael Penix. Was not going to quarterback it. If I were to go Michael Penix, I probably would say the Vikings, hypothetically speaking. That's fair. Keep him in purple. He looks good in purple. You know, you talked about Blake Corum. I do not think Blake Corum is going to be the top running back off. I think that's going to be Jonathan Brooks from Texas. And I think the first team that is going to use a pick. Oh, that's tough. That's tough to say that just because this team has so, so many other needs. The Patriots. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> Running back's like the only thing we don't need. Shit. <laughs> Pat is deep in thought trying to figure out which team doesn't fucking hate running backs because they kind of like the, the, the thought in my head was like the Panthers, but that's not ideal for anyone. That's not what we're doing. <clears throat> I true. might have to just... I might have to just cop out and go back to wide receivers because there's so many of them. Oh, God. I, uh, you know, my fun one was like uh, Jermaine Burton to the Chiefs. But oh, I feel like he, don't do that. But I feel like he's just the next coming of Sky Moore and yeah. Kadarius Tone. I feel like he fits right in there with... Um, <clears throat> oh, man. I am really just cooked right now. Um nature of this type of draft we make it hard on each other i think it's great damn damn give someone uh, to the patriots we're an ideal landing spot i know we are okay drake may fuck enjoy him <laughs> okay but like i but but genuinely like i was saying i i do think that Jaden daniels is going to be the number two pick whether it is washington or a team that trades up for him so conventional wisdom there that would be drake may to the Patriots, who might be the biggest wild card of this upcoming season, just because we are so used to what to expect from the Patriots. Mm-hmm. And it's totally different. And I mean. it is 
could be totally different. You know, you can't say like, oh, Drake May wouldn't work and Bill Bel... It's not Bill Belichick's. It's Alex Van Pelt's offense now. So, again, not, the fact that Jane Daniels is going second doesn't necessarily mean I believe he's better than Drake May, but mm. I just think that's how it's going to shake out. And honestly, Brandon, I would be happy if I was you and I would Patriots drafted Drake May at three. I would be, yeah. And look, I don't think you're too off base there. You know, with Drake May, um, I, I think... I'm talking out both sides of my mouth here because this is the reason I didn't give Jaden Daniels to the Patriots, but I do think it's a safe bet that the Patriots are going to go out and spend this money on some skill players. Like, do I really think Mike Evans is going to leave Tampa? Not necessarily, but there are some moves and some signings the Patriots could make that, look, I wouldn't be upset if the Patriots were the team that traded for T. Higgins. Like, I think the Patriots have so much money that they are going to surround Drake May with at least relatively competent weapons and allow them to run Juju Smith Schuster shut the fuck up run that Alex Van Pelt offense that we saw Joe Flacco shine in for part of the year like Drake May projects to be you know um, an athletic Joe Flacco he's gonna sling the rock he's got a strong arm um I'm excited to see how he actually translates to the NFL but yeah unfair comparisons to Mitchell Trubisky just because they went to North Carolina. Oh, my God. There's, like, yeah. And people were like, oh, Mitchell Trubisky and Daniel Jones. So what? They came from the ACC. Like, that does not make Drake May the next in line to do there, that. There is a phrase out there for people that do that. Uh, don't scout the helmet. Stop scouting yeah. the helmet. Yep. Like, it, it makes no fucking there's no correlation like i understand yes quarterbacks are less likely to come from a school like north carolina than they are you know an sec school but if they've made it this far and they are already on the radar like they've already bucked the trend it, the fact that he went to north carolina does not mean he's going to flame out well get people said went this about there ohio state his, for the longest time he only went there because his doofy brother was good at basketball there like let's right. be honest <laughs> Luke may, i always forget they're related they oh Luke, my god because you I know the first time forget. i've heard of drake may i'm like oh maybe it's luke may's brother and then it actually was i'm like what yeah. the hell I always forget. But yeah, like people love to say that about Ohio State. It's Pat, it's truthfully what it is, is it's people who don't dig into this stuff at all. I mean, look, you and yeah. I aren't grinding film like that, but no. it's people that don't dig into this stuff at all who are just desperately trying to find a correlation so that they can have a take on something and sound smart. That's really all it is for you to say the most basic bitch thing ever that, oh, you went to North Carolina. I know other North Carolina quarterbacks that didn't do well. Buddy. Not how it works. Like yeah. I, I, I mm-hmm. wish C.J. Stroud could have just stabbed that take in the neck and put it to bed for good with his success coming out of Ohio State now. But clearly, it's it's still a little bit yeah. of a thing. All right, with my final pick, I am also going to go away from the receivers and such, and I'm going to finish off our quarterbacks, Pat. Um, I'm going to put I'm going to put J.J. McCarthy on the Falcons. I think Ooh. for yeah. J.J. McCarthy to have fantasy relevance. It will be because he is surrounded by a bunch of great weapons. And, and that's what the Falcons are. We've talked up are. those guys. We've talked up those guys. Look, the Falcons, Pat, until the Falcons fill their fucking quarterback spot, I'm going to continue to talk about them as the ideal quarterback landing spot. So this yep. is just a, a new way, a new context for me to do that. And sitting at eight feels like kind of the spot that McCarthy's trending toward going. And that is maybe an overpay, but that is a, a realistic spot based on some of the, the news we've been hearing if he doesn't go even higher than that. So I think at eight, the Falcons could get McCarthy, and he's the kind of guy that can just distribute the ball to Pitts, London, Bijan, and 
be able to put up some good fantasy numbers, even if he's not a spectacular sort of player himself. Yeah, I have turned around, not turned around, but I'm starting to view McCarthy a little bit more favorably. I just think some of these takes are ridiculous on him. But like, if the Raiders wound up with him, I, I wouldn't hate it. I, I would not hate it. I, he, he seems a bit safer than a guy like Penix, who obviously has just arguably some of the most injury concerns we've seen out of a top quarterback prospect in a while. So, yeah. McCarthy is the kind of guy that I'm coming around to in the sense that if we were to trade down and end up with McCarthy and then future picks, I'd be maybe okay with that. Because look, I, again, I don't think Jaden Daniels and Drake May are like these can't miss prospects. And obviously neither is JJ McCarthy. And with the Patriots having so many needs to fill, I'm okay with stacking assets if that's the right move given the offer uh i just i need to come away with a quarterback in the first round that that's that's all whether wherever it is that's what i need to feel good about where the patriots are heading here in the future so that will do it for our ideal fits draft uh just to recap pat's got marvin harrison jr to the cardinals roma dunze to the titans brian thomas jr to the bucks caleb williams to the bears and drake may to the patriots I've got Brock Bowers to the Chargers, Jaden Daniels to the Broncos, Blake Corum to the Chargers, Malik Neighbors to the Bears, and J.J. McCarthy to the Falcons. So I think if, the any, Chargers. If, any, if any or all of those moves happened, I think you could find all of those players on plenty of fantasy rosters at some point throughout yeah. the year. Sadly, as we know, some of these guys will go to far less than ideal situations for their fantasy output. We just hope more of them than not actually go somewhere that will, you know, enhance their their skill set and potential fantasy point total. So there you go. There's our draft. Pat, we'll move on. We'll touch on some other sports real quick before we I get to... I feel strongly about this next topic. So I do. I do as well. So look, I we think are, we're on the opposite side of the of the of the take here. Oh, I'm, oh, I'm uh, ready to fight. Okay, so guys, you will remember last year we talked about March Madness quite a bit, and I'm kind of trying to find ways to microdose March Madness to you guys before we truly get into the tourney because we will probably spend half of those shows talking about March Madness. Coming from Connecticut, we're UConn guys. We are passionate about our team, and truthfully, don't kid yourself. March Madness is the best sporting event of the year. It's the best time Even if of you year, don't love college so basketball, like yeah, yeah. Like even though we're a football podcast primarily, um, this is one time. I know I say it all the time. We're going to touch on other sports, and we mostly end up not doing that. But this is one time a year where we will definitely hit on another sport. That being March Madness, at the very least. So, Pat, college basketball rankings. We've got a new number one. We've got Houston at number one. Purdue at number two, and UConn at number three. UConn, our squad, was a unanimous number one for several weeks. What is your take that you think I'm on the opposite end of? I'm, I'm curious to hear it. Well, well, I, I'll get to that, but I, I, I will say first, like, UConn is better than Purdue. I mean, like Houston, Houston being number one. Houston, Houston won two ranked games. As I was looking at um, Houston for reasons that are now legal in the state of Connecticut, and um, you know they won two impressive games last week. So you know they they deserve that. You know if they could get another two or three points right now in this game they're at right now would be terrific for educational purposes. But um, uh-huh. yep, but um, yep. but yeah, over Purdue is just like I get they lost and Purdue did not. Even though Purdue beat a bunch of lukewarm teams. <clears throat> But again, the rankings mean nothing. Those those mean no, nothing. Don't. It's just a bunch of they bloviating don't. journalists who watch one team and other teams that play that team. So, yeah, whatever. <clears throat> but I would argue that the bigger story has been, in light of Duke's loss to Wake Forest, court storming as Kyle Filipowski 
banged his knees and got a little boo-boo. Um, <laughs> turns out he's fine. Um, that has raised the question of should court storming be banned? How do you do it? And there have been takes all over the spectrum here. And um, I think the most notable one is uh, you're actually your close and personal friend, Jay Billis, yeah, who said cool. that he was out of pocket. People that once they storm the court, they are on the court and that they should be cited or arrested (laughs) and that would stop court storming. Mm -hmm. You want to throw college students in jail for celebrating a big win. Yes. Come on. (laughs) Yes, but but like that is an insane take for me insane i mean kyle filipowski first of all the dude is moping you know what's coming get the fuck off the court Mm -hmm. like i will say if you can somehow as security hold them back for 20 seconds so everyone can safely exit the court then let them go nuts do it i don't know how you can do that you know, especially some of these schools, typically when they storm the court, maybe a smaller school. So, like, they don't have, you know, the that kind of security presence. Like, but if you can figure out how to do it, do it. I understand their safety's sake, but, like, some of these takes on the other side of it are absolutely ridiculous. And it, uh, you know what, Duke? Jay Billis, your precious Dukies, win the fucking game. Yeah. You know, yeah. You know how the court storm, you know how Kyle Filipowski wouldn't have gotten a boo-boo? If Duke won the if Duke won the game, so like let these kids have fun. I understand it's in the name of safety, and if like I said, get them the hell off the court as fast as possible. You know we don't want you know if Kyle Phil- God forbid Kyle Filipowski actually was seriously injured, that would have been terrible. That would have truly been terrible. So I understand why we're having this discussion, but like. I let these people, you know, have fun here. And, um, oh, God, I had something else to say, and now I forgot it. Oh, uh, God, go, you know, you go ahead and give your old man yelling at cloud take on this. <laughs> so here's the thing. I am not in favor of banning court storming. I think there needs to be a way to make it safer, because I do think it's a problem now that we've seen this happen twice this year and not really ever before this, of players actually being in danger. We saw Caitlin Clark get sort of tackled when Iowa got upset earlier in the year on the women's side, and then now Kyle Filipkowski getting you know caught up in the middle of things. My issue comes down more to the frequency with which I'm seeing court storming, and, and that's fair. we need to fucking relax. Pat, Wake Forest was favored in this game. I understand not everyone is looking For at some Vegas reason. lines. Not everyone's looking at Vegas lines, and so people don't understand that. All they see is we're playing number eight Duke. Everyone hates Duke. We're going to storm the court. I get it. But, like, that the Vegas line thing, it puts into perspective that you Wake Forest is a good team. Like, you were not a massive underdog in this game. You weren't an underdog at all, but even if you were, you wouldn't have been a massive underdog. And... This just furthered my opinion that I had from the week prior, uh, or no, from a couple days prior, when Creighton stormed the court after beating UConn. I get it. We are num- we're number one in the country, and you know you beat us. You beat us by a good amount. Pat UConn has not won in Omaha in their history. We're like zero and four. Creighton 
is number 15 in the country. Yeah. I just think court storming needs to be saved for true, genuine, massive upsets. Not these games that are expected to be like two or three point results, whichever way you go. It's just goofy to me. Like, court storming should be for when unranked Akron somehow pulls off a fucking upset against Kansas, who's coming to Akron for whatever reason for a game. Yeah. I don't know why that's happening, but like, that's what it should be reserved for. I almost see once conference play starts, I almost see no excuse for court storming unless it's the literal worst team in your conference. In UConn's sake, it would be DePaul. DePaul. Yeah, DePaul. DePaul, go ahead and storm the court if you beat us at home. You're fucking awful. You literally have not won a conference game this year. I get it. But, like, these teams, conference play is a shit show by nature. Like, Yeah, it's hard to win chaos. on the road in, in conference play. It's so hard to win on the road. Like, I just, I think it's bad, and it's it's creating, you know, now an unsafe sort of situation. Like, I don't know how you litigate you know when you can allow fans to storm and not storm but to me and i wrote this little like just like quip in our show sheet of you give them an inch they'll take a mile i think just the like kind of the culture of court storming over the years has been fans now are looking for any excuse any excuse so even if it's a slight upset you did something slightly unexpected they're like oh this is our excuse to get on the court everyone fucking go like it's the only time we're ever gonna get to do this True, I guess, but like it, it's not it, it's not an appropriate reaction for what you've accomplished. Be excited, be fucking except, psyched, go out and party. Stay off the court unless it's a crazy upset. Except that one guy that stormed the court when Detroit Mercy got their first win of the year against IUPUI. <laughs> I did not. I did not see one that. That's very one funny. individual stormed the court for that. That is fantastic. That that was that was fantastic. I did not see that, but that's very funny. And then our last sort of other sport note, uh, just to touch on it, baseball, spring training is in full swing. I'm officially getting a little psyched for baseball because, uh, oh, my God, there's a thumb that just popped up. What the hell? (laughs) Damn, StreamYard. Is it? StreamYard be reactive? It's not doing it for me. Oh, Oh my God. Look at it. Look at it. What What the the fuck? fuck? You have fireworks. Wait, where's mine? Why don't I get this treatment? (laughs) This is fucked up. This is prejudice. All right, for anybody that's just listening, what else can I do? Apparently, Streamyard has a what if I dab up if you just make like hand motions? And Pat just got fireworks behind him, so we are very confused, as well as a little bubble with a thumbs up. Uh, Okay. Anyway, yeah, excited because I'm watching Juan Soto hit bombs, and as a Yankee fan, that's very exciting. I I hope we can re-sign him. Spencer Jones, dude. Spencer Jones, lefty Aaron Judge from Vanderbilt, is killing it as well. So yeah, I uh, you know baseball season's coming. We might touch on that a little bit. Just wanted to let you guys know if you're not following baseball, that yeah, spring training's here, and that's also why we talked about the cock and balls being shown in the Fanatics baseball pants. Okay, finishing out with some viewer questions here. We just got a letter. We just got a letter. We just got a letter. Wonder who it's from. Okay, only got a couple minutes here, but Pat, if you had to pick one player to build your team around, who would it be? Can't be Mahomes. This question from Tyson Wilson. I think the answer right now has to be C.J. Stroud, does it not? Like, oh, you know, not yeah. only is he completely, you know, like the first names that pop in my head, honestly, the first name that popped in my head was like Josh Allen, just because of the age uh, compared to a guy like Lamar Jackson. Well, I don't even know. They might be this... I don't know, God. We don't have enough time same, for me. They to were not, the same. They were the same class, so they can't be far. We don't apart. know. We don't know. We don't have enough time for me to not know how old these people are. <laughs> yeah, they're the same fucking age, Patrick. So yeah, Josh Allen and Lamar <laughs> were the first names that popped into my head. But I just think Stroud playing as well as he did right off the bat on a team that was supposed to be terrible. I, I feel like that has to be the answer. 
Yeah, I, I would agree. I think you pick any player other than a quarterback in this question, you're overthinking it because quarterback oh God, is the most important position on the field. I just think there are some people out there that would try to think of, oh, who's the best O-lineman because O-line is so important. And that's true, but you got to build the rest of the O-line. And then if you're picking anything like a, a receiver or a running back, you just like fantasy football a little too much. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think C.J. Stroud's probably the answer here. I, I would agree with you. Um, let's see, Pat. We'll do one more question because we are running out of time. All right, we'll finish with this last one what's one player you see really increasing their stock because of the combine this question from tactical mech um i put roma dunze because he is the top receiver who's actually participating and i feel like this could kind of cement him from be look he's been mocked anywhere from like the teens to you know like number six or seven overall so i think this the combine if he tests really well it could potentially cement him as a guy who is gonna go you know definitely in sort of the single digit uh, you know, top 10 range. So I would say him just because Harrison and neighbors are not participating. Yeah, I'll go with, I'll go with, uh, I talked about Jonathan Brooks earlier. I mean, I just think that he could really cement himself as the top running back here off, off board, assuming he's participating. I mean, obviously that wouldn't be in the headlines, but like, why, why wouldn't a guy like him at that point? Um, why wouldn't John? And he also spells Jonathan weird, right? Yeah. John Athon. Unless that's normal. Sorry, John Athons. So, John, so he is. Oh, he's hurt. Where he <laughs> yeah, so he's hurt. That, no, see, I knew he was hurt. I didn't know how bad he yeah. was hurt, so I was curious about his recovery. So, yeah, he probably will not be participating athletically. Um, but, yeah, look, to your point, though, with Brooks, I think with any running back, there, it's really there's an opportunity for running backs because of just how like not highly regarded the class is. Maybe somebody can emerge and cement yeah. themselves as like, no, I should be a back end round one pick or a very early round two pick. Yeah. I think that opportunity is there, just not for Brooks because he's still in the hospital. And, and we and we talked about all the ne- all the all the teams needs. You know, a lot of teams need running backs here, and if they want to go with a cheaper, younger option, obviously, yeah, over you know a guy who's 27, 28 years old. Yeah, I would. Which agree. is old right. now, apparently. That's very old. You're basically in the in the dirt. Uh, okay, that'll do it for this episode of Off the Bench, guys. We will be back next week, reacting to whatever the fuck happened in the combine and any potential trades or further releases or franchise tags. I think they're going to start coming. Uh, they're going to start coming hot and heavy here. Maybe not this week, or maybe just the week after. But uh, they're they're coming. They're coming everywhere. Hot we and heavy. React. We will react when they come. I'm gonna come. I'm gonna come. Damn it! No <laughs> way. I'm gonna continue to come. Skip's been coming. He's gonna continue to come. I've been coming. I'm gonna continue to come. Oh, it's it's Skip's looping. Oh, it's looping. What is going on, Streamyard? I'm just. Oh no, Stream Daddy. All right, that'll do it. I know. Roll. Oh, I thought you were gonna roll it on three hours. I'm just gonna let. Oh yeah. Okay, I will. All right. Let's. uh For Pat Gustafson, I'm Brandon Carney, and we'll see you guys next week. Coming. I'm a MLB players cock and balls.